0: Pastor, before you get started, your lavalier is, we adjusted the lavalier down on our end, but we cannot hear you clearly. I'm sorry. Thank you you so kindly. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Can I get someone to pass these out for me, please? I think they're in the back. And, I just have a couple one-word wraps uh, for you this morning. Help us to be hearers and doers of your word and all that we do and say. Bless us, Lord, to concentrate on trying to be transformed by your word, as it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Lord, we ask that this morning that you be glorified and your people be edified. Thank you for giving us strength and the ability and the courage to come out in the cold weather. We ask that you would bless our understanding that we will go forth and do all those way, all things that please you and whatever we do and say and think in jesus name amen, amen. so we've been talking about spiritual warfare so we're still wearing our, our warfare regalia uh whether it's shirt whether it's dog tags or whether it's boots or hats or whatever because we're still in spiritual warfare and we're creating this environment for that And here one of the weapons that we get to use in spiritual warfare, this is the week we're transitioning from talking about the devil who's our enemy to talking about what things we can use to be triumphant over him. And the number one weapon we have in our arsenal is prayer prayer can give us victory, and so we want to go back to where we first learn about prayer what I would argue what I would argue is the. First prayer in Scripture. First prayer in Scripture, in my humble opinion. By the way, there's some really good books on prayer. Let me just give you a couple. If you're inclined to read them, you can get them online. Uh, you can get them at the library for free. You can buy them. Some books that I have been that have been a blessing to me over the years. Uh, author Philip Yancey, his, his book entitled "Prayer," really good book. Uh, a guy named E. M. Bounds. Just initials, E-M, I forget what they stand for. The last name is Bounds. This E-M Bounds spent his entire life writing about prayer. He just has books and books and books on prayer. He has one book that's called The uh, the Best of or The Collection of E-M Bounds, Book on Prayer. It's not a really big book, but it has like a little uh, kind of like snippets or excerpts from some of his best books on prayer. There's a guy by the name of Herbert Lockyer that wrote a book entitled All the Prayers of the Bible. And he starts from Genesis to Revelation. He sort of chronicles all the prayers and scriptures and talks about some of the good points that we can learn from prayer. Um, there's a prayer, there's a book entitled Praying the Scriptures. Praying the Scriptures, which I think is written by a guy named Judson Cornwall. Praying the Scriptures, excellent book on prayer. I highly, highly recommend that. Then there's a book called Knowing the Face of God, written by a guy who used to write for Christianity Today. His name is Tim Stafford. Great book. I think he just recently went home to be with the Lord. Knowing the Face of God, I think it's an excellent book. J.I. Packard wrote a book, Knowing God, which is a classic. So if you're into classics, Knowing God is is great knowing the face of god is also good some of these books that i'm naming might be in our free lending taking library or not even lending you any books that you see back on the resource table you're welcome to have those books and if you want to bring some in of your own to share with us after you've read them and you want to give them away or share them with someone else please do so amen but those are some really great references on prayer. But let me just talk to you about this for a few minutes and we'll let you go. I'll take a couple of questions after the sermon too if you want to, because I think this is a very profound passage. In Genesis 3, here's what happens. Verse eight of Genesis 3, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. See, let me just say this. I don't know how the Lord operated then in terms of, I don't know if they saw him physically. Was, was this a, a, a pre- um a pre-incarnate vision or visit of god what did god take the the presence uh, of of did he take the the um, form of an angel or another person i don't know how they saw or heard the steps of god walking in the garden but they did they heard the voice of the lord walking as it, as it says here in the king james version and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. By the way, whenever you see the Lord all in all caps, the Lord in all caps means that that's a reference to Yahweh or God, Yeshua in Hebrew. That is the reference for the Lord in all caps. It's basically a English version of Yahweh or or YW or uh, i'm probably spelling y-h-w-h which is the tetragrammaton for yahweh it was they use all consonants because the jews thought it was irreverent and unholy to actually write out the name of god so they only would use consonants because it was a it was they only would use consonants because they felt like it was not holy or not kosher to write God's name all the way out. Uh, So that was why you see the Lord in all caps. It's all basically like Y-H-W-H in all caps. The Bible says here, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said, where art thou? And he said in verse 10 I heard thy voice in the garden, this is Adam talking, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And the Lord said the King James version has a lowercase h, but I feel that that should be a capital H because that's referring to God and God said who told you that you were naked. Has thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man, this Adam, said, The woman whom thou gavest to me to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. And the Lord said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle. And above every beast of the field, upon the, thy belly shall thy go, and dust shall thy eat all the days of thy life. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. So I believe hence begins what we consider prayer because prayer in its very basic form is just communication with God. But prayer is dialogue with God. So many times when we pray, we pray and we make prayer monologue. That is, we do all the talking, right? But that's not really biblical prayer. If you see in your notes that we gave out that I'm defining prayer with with the prefix of biblical so that we'll understand prayer the way the Bible presents prayer. Prayer is dialogue god talks too it's not a one-way street when i look at this this conversation that began in the garden i see some clues that teaches me some things about prayer number one it was regular god was meeting with them every day in the cool of the evening so that suggests that prayer is regular it's consistent it's daily Thessalonians says, pray without ceasing. That means that prayer is consistent, it's uninterrupted. Well, Pastor Will, how do I do that? I have to go to work, I have to go to school, I have to go to sleep, I have to clean the house, I have to do stuff. Well, it's not necessarily talking about prayer and that we're asking and begging and petitioning. Consist prayer without ceasing means that I am conscious, I am aware, I am cognizant that I am in constant fellowship with God. Whether there's communication going on or not, whether there's a verbal exchange going on or not, I recognize as brother Lauren says that I am in the presence of God. Therefore, as long as I am in God's domain, I am in God's space. There is communication. I'm cognizant of him. I am thinking about him. I am surrendering to him. I am submissive to him. I'm aware that he's omnipresent. I'm aware that he's omniscient. I'm acknowledging his sovereignty. I'm acknowledging his providence. So that is me communicating, communing non-verbally with God that I am praying. Not necessarily asking, not supplicating, not interceding and not begging. It's not necessarily a prayer of petition. It's a prayer of acknowledgement. It's a prayer that I recognize you, God. I recognize that you are in control of my life right now. Amen. So prayer isn't always about asking. It's always not about begging. It's not about pleading. It's not about trying to acquire something from God. It's not about consumerism. It's about recognition of who he is because the Bible says that he knows what we have need of in Matthew 6 before we even ask, right? We learned Wednesday night in Romans in Bible study, hint, hint, that in Romans 8 it says, for we know not what we ought to pray for. For we know not what we want, what we need, or what we should ask for. We're sometimes clueless about what even we want to ask for. The Bible says sometimes our prayers just disintegrate to moans and groans, but that God understands them. God can interpret those moans and groans and pleads and tears. He interprets the grunts, the groans. He interprets the sighs, the exhaustion. He, he, He gets that. That, that's meaningful. Don't think that that's lost on God. If we get it, guess what? God certainly gets it. Amen? Amen. So so I, I, get the, I, get the, I get this feeling that prayer is supposed to be consistent. I also get the feeling that prayer is initiated by God. It was God who showed up. Adam and Eve had sinned, and they checked out. The Bible says they went and hid, according to Genesis 3. They hid themselves because they recognized they were naked. They recognized that they had blown it. They recognized that they had disobeyed God. Amen? So they did not show up. But guess who did show up? God still showed up. Listen, even when we mess up, God shows up. That should have been the title. Right there. Just popped in my, that's, when we, even when we mess up, God shows up. God said, Adam, what's up, where where are you? When Elijah, who had prayed, so powerfully that God destroyed 400 prophets and disintegrated an altar that was saturated with water by fire to the point that God just sapped it all up. And he gave him amazing victories to Jezebel and, 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 and her, her husband, Ahab, Josh, I'm sorry. Elijah with a J took off and hid in a cave and just said, I'm ready to die. Cause she put a hit out on me jezebel put a hit out on me and i just i i can't make it i can't go any further and the lord came and said dude where are you where, where are you elijah what are you doing in a cave here you the most powerful prophet on planet earth you've done things that people can only dream about You're a mentor, you're a hero, you're a powerful man of God and you're hiding, you're wasting your talents, you're wasting away in a cave. How many of us are wasting away in a cave? How many of you are afraid and not being out front and not letting the Lord use your life and take advantage of what avenues and what platforms he's given to you, amen? Let's not hide in a cave. Let's not hide behind the bushes. If we messed up, fess up, and God will show up. He will give you what you need to get back on your feet. Amen. God showed up. Asked Elijah, where are you? God showed up. He asked Adam, where are you? God showed up with Job in chapter 38 when Job was all upset and just helping God with questions I'm sorry of the day I was born I'm sorry today my mother gave birth to me I'm upset that I'm even alive I'm upset that I got these three miserable friends and the Lord said so are you done yet chapter 38 he said okay man up put your big boy pants on and stand up I got some questions for you and then the Lord went on for four chapters <laughs> bam 38 39 40 41 When God got through with Job, Job said, hey, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. I abhor myself. I hate myself. I'm sorry I messed up. I don't know what I'm talking about. I thought I knew. I thought I knew you, but I didn't. But God was merciful. God said, I get it, Job. You were frustrated, under a little stress. I I, I get it. Hey, you lost 10 kids in one day. You know, the Lord said, I guess I can cut you some slack. Anybody ever lost 10 kids in one day? Most of us don't have 10 kids. Job lost 10 in one day, and his wife said, curse God, and why don't you be lost too? Curse God and die. Dude wasn't having a good day, and then his friends were of no consolation, virtually blaming him, saying, what have you done? But God said, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to be more blessed now your latter will be greater than the past. Your latter will be greater than the former. I got something in store for you. So I, I made a couple of points regarding this prayer that I believe that, that Adam and Eve had with the Lord uh, in Genesis 3 as I wrap this up. I also get the point that prayer should be personal. When we're praying to God, when we're praying, your prayer life should be one-on-one. I know we do what's called corporate prayer on Sunday morning. Sometimes we have prayer meetings where you may have a prayer partner or you may have a prayer buddy and you go before the Lord. But at the end of the day, prayer as it's defined in scripture, it's really about us communicating with God. It's a dialogue. How God does it, I don't know. I just told you guys about Acts 12 about how they had a prayer meeting for Peter to be released from prison. And the Lord released Peter from prison, even though they didn't believe it and said that Rhoda was losing her mind. And when seeing Peter's ghost, uh, the Lord still answered the prayer. Prayer is about a one-on-one individual dialogue, conversation. And that's the other thing I wanted to point out. It doesn't always have to be formal. Prayer doesn't always have to be on your knees, in your prayer closet, by yourself, with your hands folded, with nothing going on in the background except angelic music. This doesn't have to be the definition of prayer. You can pray in the midst of a storm. You can pray when you're going through the valley. You can pray when you're going through persecution. You can pray when you're upset with your neighbor whose music is blasting at three in the morning. You can pray right then. You can pray when things look bad. You can pray when things look good. Prayer is not about circumstances. Prayer is not situational. Prayer is not about format or structure or form or etiquette or posture. Prayer is not about any of those things. Prayer is about the condition of our heart. Lord, I need you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I need you to help me. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, may I be acceptable in your sight. May I be pleasing to you. May I be obedient to you, Lord. Prayer is simple. Prayer is uninterpreted. Prayer doesn't have to be eloquent. I would suggest to you that most eloquent prayers and public prayers are usually offered for public consumption. How we sound, if it's coherent, if it's phonetically correct, if it's you know passes the ear test or the eye test—it's really very superficial sometimes. Prayer needs to be just like you're talking to a friend. Sometimes a friend completes your sentence. Sometimes you complete his or hers. Sometimes you interrupt before they done. Sometimes they interrupt before you done. A conversation is not symmetric. It's not one for one, tit for tat, eye for eye. A conversation is impromptu, it's broken. It's sometimes flipped over. It's sometimes we go off the subject. We may be discussing one thing and then we go discuss something totally different, and then we circle back to it. You should hear me, my sister Lois, and I having a conversation. We cover about ten topics in two minutes. As <laughs> <laughs> a shout out to you, sis. But I'm telling you, the, po- the point is, is that that's dialogue, that's conversation, that's fellowship. You see, not structured doesn't need a format doesn't need a schematic and finally i put in the notes regarding biblical prayer that prayer is less about getting what we want from heaven and more about getting what god wants done here on earth prayer is always about god's will if you look at first john 5 14 and 15 i won't read it it's about getting god's will done god's will is what's important Lord, help me to yield to your will. Help me to want for you what you want for me. Help me to agree with you about what you think about me. Help me to agree with you about what's best for me. Help me to agree with you about what you wanna do through me, in me, for me. Help me to agree with that. Help me to come to terms. Listen, help me to come to terms. Help me to come to terms that you know me better than I know me. Help me to come to terms that you know what's best for me, more so than I think I know what's best for me. Yes, yes. Amen? Yes. Please make a note of this because this is important stuff. You want to you understand the secret to prayer, the key to prayer. You want to understand how prayer becomes effectual and fervent, as it says in James 5. This is how. Knowing what God wants, getting what God wants. I said in biblical prayer, God should do more talking and we should do more listening. When Adam and Eve came, boy, God read on the riot act he asked them three tough, tough questions. He said, I'm almost done. That's why I'm walking away from the podium. He asked them three tough questions. He said, where are you? Who told you you were naked? And what have you done? Do you think God was asking those questions because he needed information? Do you think this was an interrogation? Do you think this was 20 questions? No, God knew where Adam was. God knew what he had done and God knew who told him he was naked. (laughs) God knew all of that. When God comes to us, he's not coming to us to get information because he needs to be informed or enlightened. God wants us to think about what he's saying to us so that it can be convicting. So it can be informative to us. Lord, help me to see me the way you see me. Help me to own up to my shortcomings, my mistakes, and my faults. The Lord wants us to confess our sins and our faults to him, and he wants us to be broken and contrite. Read Psalms 51. So God is about questioning, not to get information, but questioning to get conviction. Amen? Amen. Almost done, it says here in my notes, prayer is always a dialogue, not a monologue. I have here that prayer changes things. You've heard that all your life. Sometimes what prayer changes is us. Changes us so that we can accept the stuff that we don't wanna accept. Accept what we think is bad, but God knows is good. You may say, well, Lord, I need a new car. Well, the Lord may know that July 5th, you're gonna run that car into a tree. <laughs> but if you had the old car, you'd drive slower and more cautiously and wouldn't be trying to chill and be cool. So he keeps you in the old car. What you think is punishment, God may think it's to save your life. Genesis 50:20, that's exactly what Joseph told his brothers when he threw them, when Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery and left him for dead. Joseph said to the brothers who were really scared to death because now he's the number two guy in Egypt. Joseph said, hey guys, you meant what you did for evil. You were trying to hurt me, you were trying to kill me, you left me for dead, you sold me to the Egyptians. Boy, he, just, he could have just went off on them, right? He certainly had the power to, he was the number two guy, he was like God almost, second to the Pharaoh. He said in Genesis 50, 20, what you did, you meant it for evil. But God meant it for good so that many people might be saved alive. What was evil, God was working, weaving, twisting, creating, knitting his plan together. And here Joseph ends up number two, puts aside grain and food and corn so that when the famine comes, they have food to eat and it saved lives, thousands of lives. That wouldn't have happened if Joseph's not sold into slavery. That wouldn't have happened. If Potiphar's wife didn't lie on him and said that he made a pass at her. That wouldn't have happened. If Joseph's not thrown in the prison, that wouldn't have happened. If the Butler and the baker, thank you, wouldn't have forgotten (laughs) them. See, I don't have all this stuff memorized. That wouldn't have happened. If Joseph doesn't get promoted to the number two position in Egypt, but it does. And he gets promoted. And God gives him this brilliant plan to save all these people, including his own family. Amen. Here's one more. Biblical prayer is not about the results, but about trusting God during the process. We, too many of us measure faith. Too many of us measure prayer in terms of what gets accomplished. Did I get what I wanted? Did I get what I prayed for? No, that's not how we should measure prayer. That's not how we should measure faith. We should measure prayer and measure faith by, am I getting what God wants? Am I learning something during this process? It hasn't happened yet, the thing that I prayed for, but I still trust God. I'm getting stronger, I'm learning, as Sister Mary Louise said this morning, I'm learning perseverance, I'm learning endurance, I'm learning patience, I'm learning hope, I'm, I'm, I'm learning to, to have some stamina, to suffer a little bit, to to, to man up, to woman up and get what God wants. I'm not throwing in the towel because I don't always get what I want immediately. Prayer is teaching me to toughen up, it's preaching me to be teaching me to be patient. Marcus, are you changing the uh, sounds? Okay, I'm getting some, some feedback. No, 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 sir, not me, not worried. me this time. Okay, I guess I'm just too close to the monitor. Okay, okay, so maybe that's my cue to sit down. No, sir, keep it going.
1: Well, Good work.
0: Well, one, one more then, one more, one more, one more, and that is this one. Biblical prayer, and I said this already, it, it's not about informing God of our needs. I put this in our notes. He already knows what we need but biblical prayer is about God informing us of his plans. So that's, I could say more about prayer. I could tell you about the prayer in second Chronicles 21 of my favorite prayers of all time, Jehoshaphat. I could tell you about the verse in first John five, 14, 15, about praying for God's will. If I had time, I could tell you about James five sixteen, what the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man means, but you can look it up. But let me just tell you this prayer is the most effective. It's, it's, In my opinion, prayer is most effective when we learn to agree with God. You say, Pastor Will, that is hocus pocus. What does that mean? You couldn't be more abstract if you try. Well, I'll try to be less abstract and more concrete. What I mean by that is when I agree with God, I read his word, which I'll talk about next week. Prayer and the Bible study go hand in hand. You need one to do the other. I've often said that a good prayer warrior has to be a good Bible student. A good Bible student will be driven to become a good prayer warrior because reading God's word drives me to my knees. Reading God's word breaks me down. Reading God's word opens me up raw. Reading God's word exposes my heart It exposes my shortcomings. It tells me where I'm dropping the ball. It tells me what I need to clean up in my life, where I need to tighten up this and tighten up that. That's what reading God's word does because I can't get that information out of the sky. I can't get it from Gmail. I can't get it from Chat GPT or Google. I can't get it from any other source. The only way I can really understand what's going on in me that's not measuring up to God is from God's word. God has to tell me. And that's where I hear from him. I hear from him through the pages of Scripture. He reveals to me: This is what you need to sure up, dude. This is where you're 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 lacking. As the, as many many ticos you the uh, which is uh, the the, farce, the uh, Nebuchadnezzar message that he received from Daniel that you are you are weighed in the balances and found wanting. That was the message that Daniel gave Nebuchadnezzar. He said, dude, you're found that this, this is what the dream means. Many, many, Tico Eupharsin, you are found in the balances and you're wanting, you're falling short. You're not weighing or measuring up to what God wants. That's what God's word does to us. It finds us. It weighs us. It measures us. It, it gives us direction. It gives us boundaries. I'm done. Okay, Rick, come on and sing. God is good.